Hi, this is Cheryl Norris from Bakes by Brown Sugar, and you're listening to the Eat Blog Talk podcast. Clarity is a powerful tool that allows you to organize, optimize, and update your blog content for maximum growth. My food blog, Pip and Ebby, has nearly 1,000 posts. I have learned so much about constructing an incredible, valuable blog post since I began my blog in 2010. It should go without saying that my older blog posts are not quite as solid as my current blog posts. Some of my older content is missing nutrition information, alt text, internal links, no follow links, video, and some are missing all of the above. Clarity allows me to easily identify those posts that need those elements, create projects to make sure that the updates are made, and track how those updates impact my traffic. I already have great recipes. Clarity helps me add the frosting that takes those posts from great to outstanding. If you are interested in learning more and potentially becoming an early adopter of Clarity, you can go to clarity.com forward slash eblogtalk to sign up for the waiting list and receive 50% off your first month. Go to clarity.com forward slash eblogtalk or check out the resources page on eblogtalk.com forward slash resources to learn more. Hello, food bloggers. Welcome to Eat Blog Talk, the podcast for food bloggers looking for the value and confidence that will move the needle forward in their businesses. This episode is sponsored by Rank IQ. I am your host, Megan Porta, and you are listening to episode number 344. I have Cheryl Norris with me here today. She is going to talk to us about things she wishes she had learned and known when she first started out as a food blogger. I think we all have those things that we wish we would have known back then. Cheryl has been a food blogger since late 2018 at Bakes by Brown Sugar. Even though she started her blog as a hobby, she learned the importance of treating it as a business and investing in it and in herself. Whether it's a conference or a new course, she is always learning something to improve her business and content for her readers. Cheryl, super excited for this chat today with you, but first we would love to hear what fun fact you have. So first of all, thank you so much for having me on the show. So fun fact for me is that I was on the fourth season of The Great American Baking Show. It's the American version of The Great British Baking Show. Oh my goodness. How did it go? Well, I didn't do as well as I wanted. I was eliminated after the second episode, but I had such a blast doing that. And I always tell people that it was the most stressful fun I've ever had. (laughs) (laughs) I always wonder because they make it look like, oh my gosh, this is so stressful. So I never know if it's curated stress or if it's actual like genuine stress. No, no. It's stress as far as, you know, you've you've chosen to put yourself into that position. But it really it really is that stressful because one of the things we term that we coined is called tent time. So first of all, what a lot of people may not know is that we know what we're going to bake. So we've already practiced at home and they've given us the time parameters Uh and things like that. So you practice at home and you're like, oh, yeah, I can get this done in three hours. No problem. You get into that tent and three hours goes by Uh unimaginably fast and your bake is still in the oven and you're like, and that whole thing where people are like down on the floor watching that really does happen. Cause you're like, they're like 15 minutes left and you're like, why is my cake still in the oven? It should be done by now. <laughs> so what do you think are the factors there? If you can do it at home easily, what makes it so difficult to fit it into a certain time there? You know, part of the issue might just be nerves. You're not trying to be a little bit more careful with, you know, as you're going through, you know, just make sure it comes out right. But also it's a completely different oven. 
than what you're going to have here in the United States. So that could be a factor too. But yeah, it's just, we just call it tent time. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I love that fun fact. And so cool that you have that experience. I'm sure that you can carry that over into this job, right? Being a food blogger and just rounds out your experience here. No, I definitely did. Because one of the things we had to do in preparing for the show is we had to send them the recipes that we had created for our bakes. And so that gave me really good practice in actually just writing recipes, you know, kind of recipe testing and writing recipes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I can see where that would round out Mm -hmm. your entire just baking profile. So Mm -hmm. that's really cool. Okay, well, that kind of ties into your journey because I want to hear about your blogging journey, when you started, why you started, and how your blog has evolved. Okay, thanks. So it actually started with me just sharing food photos on Instagram. That's what kind of got sucked me into the world of Instagram initially, I think way back in 2016. And so I was like, oh, I'll start sharing my food photos too. And then, you know, just following various bloggers, you know, just, you know, when you're looking for recipes. And I got to the point where I said to myself, well, I want to share more than pictures. I want to share recipes also. So that's kind of how the idea for the food blog started in late 2017. And my first thought was, okay, I'm going to get better at photography for, so for like seriously three months, I just really focused on photography, learning how to take pictures, posting some of those to, to Instagram. But the idea was, so as an engineer, I'm a planner. So I'm like, okay, what are the things I need to like kind of have in place? So my original intent was to practice my photography and launch my blog in March of 2018. And you know how plans go. They don't quite happen. <laughs> so you're like, okay, I'm not going to get done in March, but I'll do it second quarter. Well, then my husband and I went on vacation. And when I got back, I got the call from the producers, uh, Love Productions studio for the Great Great American Baking Show. I got that call at the beginning of May. And basically, my life was consumed with that until mm-hmm. the end of August when we finished filming that. And that's not something you can pass up, right? No, oh, absolutely not. Right. <laughs> absolutely not. So, you know, obviously the the blog work got delayed because I was focused on that. And so then I thought, oh, okay, I'm going to really focus to launch this by the end of September and you'd be ready to go. So I had, I had like, I think like three or four recipes that I was working on, you know, to kind of launch the blog and September 29th. I tripped and broke my right wrist and I'm right-handed. Oh, I know. Right. And so, you know, just that, that first week, I really couldn't do anything but the basics. And so I was like, how am I going to launch my blog? You know, it's like, cause I couldn't cook anything. I, you know, so I was like, okay, get the cast off. I'll launch it at the end of October. Oh, that so, is such a bummer. I know it was, but you know, I laugh about it now, but it's just kind of that one of those things where you just look back and say, you know, okay, it happened. It's it's kind of humorous now. It wasn't at the point at, at, at right. that time. <laughs> so I launched it at the end of October and, you know, sent out the notice to friends and family and different things like that. And then once I launched it, I realized, oh my gosh, there's so much I don't know. Like, 
Cause then I'm like, well, how am I supposed to use social media? Like, do I have to be on Facebook? Like I had a Facebook account, but I was never on Facebook. So do I have to use Instagram? What's this Pinterest thing? How am I supposed to <laughs> Again, I was using Pinterest, you know, when I was like searching for topics and things like that, but I was like, how am I supposed to use Pinterest? What am I supposed to post to Pinterest? You know, just all these questions I had once I started, you know, like, how do I tie this whole ecosystem, you know, with the blog and different things like that. And I was researching stuff and this, this term SEO kept popping up and I didn't know what it was, but I thought, I literally, I seriously thought to myself, I don't need to worry about that. (laughs) Cause I'm I'm not trying to make money. You know, I'm just like, I just want to share my recipes. Cause really that's what it was. It was started as a hobby for me. Cause I'm like, I just want to share my recipes. And you know, when I was practicing the food photography earlier in the year, I found that I absolutely loved it. Even though my initial pictures were total crap. I absolutely loved it. And so I was like, I just want to share my recipes and my photos, you know, not realizing that, hey, if I'm not using SEO, then people aren't going to find my recipes. <laughs> right. But that's not something you know at first. I remember hearing that term first and I was like, oh my gosh, what is this? <laughs> what are these letters? <laughs> yes. Search engine optimization. What? <laughs> right. It's something that is a deterrent. Like you hear it you hear those words and you're like, Mm -hmm. no, 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 no. As a creative, no, no, I don't want to go there. Yeah. (laughs) So I feel like you're not alone. A lot of people fight that. That's very normal. Mm -hmm. How long did it take you to get to the point where you're like, okay, I need to learn this SEO thing? So I started my blog in October and when January rolled around, at that point I decided, okay, I'm going to treat this as a business. I still didn't quite know everything I needed to do, but okay, I, I need to treat this as a business. I ran into, unfortunately, my husband also had a stroke in January. So that kind of delayed. He's, he's much, much, he's much better now, but obviously, you know, with everything, you know, helping care for him and making sure he was getting everything he needed that while I was still doing some recipes, I wasn't really focused on, you know, the research part of understanding everything I needed to know. And so I think I probably started getting into SEO about, like June. And I was doing some basic stuff and I thought, oh, okay, I got this SEO thing nailed down. And then I listened to a pod, another podcast where they had a guest on who was an expert on SEO and they were talking about what you need to do. And as I'm listening to this podcast, I'm thinking, oh yeah, I thought I was doing SEO, but I'm really not. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like I was using key search a little bit and, but basically after I listened to that podcast, I'm like, okay, I thought I understood, but I, I evidently don't. So let me like dig into this some more about what I need to do. There are clearly layers here that I need yes. to explore. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you dug in more and then how easy was it for you to learn once you just really dug your heels in? Well, part of it was understanding. So, you know, that the following year, again, not paying as much attention as I should, but still trying to figure out like this, at least I knew enough to like, you know, invest in key search and, you know, use that as a tool to say, okay, does this even like get any traffic? So at least I knew that much to do. And so I was using key search to do that, to make sure that the right terminology I was using, but also what I didn't understand was, you know, when you're writing the content, what is, you know, writing it for, from the end, the end user's viewpoint, and then also using those keywords so that you're signaling to Google what this blog post is about. So you've got the title, obviously, but then making sure that you're having the right keywords in your post that tells Google, oh, this post is about peach pie. 
because she's got all these terms in here. I knew a little bit about SLI keywords or LSI words enough to include those again, you know, just sending that signal to Google. But there was still just I still wasn't quite clicking until I took the cooking with keywords from Aleka Shrunk. Um, That that kind of like opened my eyes and like, okay, now I know exactly what I need to do for every single blog post. Yeah. Yeah. It's a journey. I feel like if you ask any average food blogger their journey with SEO, it's very similar to what you've just said, Cheryl. Mm -hmm. It's like, we don't get into it and automatically like, oh, this makes sense. Of course, SEO. Mm -hmm. It's like we hear the words, we get resistant. We finally realize we have to do it. We think we know. We figure out we don't know. (laughs) We dig in more. It's like a journey. So for anyone listening who is on the front end of that journey, just keep going, right? Do you have encouragement for them, Cheryl? So this this might sound kind of harsh. So I was I was actually talking to someone and we were talking about this and they're like, but I want to write what I want to write about. You know, I just said, you know what, but it's not about you. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing that you kind of have to keep in mind. It's about what your audience is looking for. But at the same time, if you've got this great idea and, you know, you look at it and then there's no trap or there appears to be no traffic for it. Think about how you can either describe it or what keywords you can use to to signal to Google that this is post that's worth promoting or rolling up to the top or fits into a topic that gets a lot of traffic. So maybe you want to do, I don't know, I just off the top of my head, lavender strawberry pie. And because you love that taste combination. I've never tried that. So I don't know if it actually tastes Yummy. good. Sounds good. But yeah, but you look at it, there's no traffic for it. You know, so then maybe you're putting the emphasis your mainly your emphasis is on the strawberry pie part. You know, right. so you know your keywords are around that. But yeah, so the encouragement is, you know, really think about why you got into this. And if you're wanting people to see your recipes, think about what your audience is is going to be looking for. You know, it can be by quarter. It can be by, you know, if you have like a really narrow niche, like you're just doing gluten-free cakes, what is your audience going to be looking for? What are they, what are they, you know, what kind of questions are they looking to have answered? It could be like, hey, how do I convert all my old family recipes to gluten-free or something like that? But yeah, just really think about what your audience is looking for. And you, you do get a lot of satisfaction from that because I know I also get a lot of satisfaction when people try my recipes and they respond back to me and and say that they they really love this recipe or they had tried other versions, but I really love your version because it did X, Y, Z for me, or it made me look good at the latest family party. Or, you know, I brought this to my mother-in-law's birthday party and she loved it. So yeah, kind of think about what your audience is looking for and what your audience needs. I think once you start creating for the user, you start hearing from the user Mm -hmm. and that gives you so much satisfaction that you maybe get more, you just get filled up more and you have more ambition to like actually do this, right? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, I have an orange upside down cake and I heard from a user that they tried it and they absolutely loved it. And now it was going to become a family recipe. Oh, there's nothing more awesome than that. Just, oh, that's amazing. Yeah. That like makes your week like, yes. Absolutely. See, and it just takes one line, like one mm-hmm. sentence that can make your week like that. So exactly. Yeah, there's value in thinking through it that way. Okay, so we got a little sidetrack. So I want to hear about so your SEO, you just you learned that you have to learn this. You dug in, you started creating content kind of based around SEO. Then yeah. where did your journey go from there? 
So this year, my so I, I did start that last year about just really honing in on SEO. And this year, it's all about SEO, creating content that is audiences, my audience is looking for, but is also going to drive traffic to my site. And so to that, with that intent in mind, I've kind of like set aside a lot of other things, especially around social media, and just really focused on SEO because as you all know, most of us are not getting the numbers we used to do to stay around Instagram, but I'm like, I'm okay with that because my main focus is SEO and growing my traffic. And so since I've focused solely on SEO this year, my web search traffic has doubled from last year. Oh, so like amazing. when I look at those numbers, yeah. So I'm like, that's really excited. I'm, I'm probably doing it too often, but I look at the numbers every day. Like I, I you know, look at Google search console and I'm looking in Google analytics every few days, just kind of see where the traffic is. But yeah, it's, it's incredible to see that that investment in time is really paying off. Well, I love your journey. Thank you for talking through that. And that actually led to one of your points, which is to prioritize SEO. So for somebody listening who maybe is, you know, not knowing where to go next or they're on the front part of their journey, you recommend to them to definitely dig into SEO, figure out that SEO term mm -hmm. pronto and dig into it. Yes. And clicking yes. with keywords, I definitely recommend that that course. Okay. Anything else about SEO that you want to impart? So yeah, so if it's a recipe you're really passionate about, but you know, you're doing the SEO research, you're doing key search, and it's a really competitive topic, I would say go ahead and post it anyway. Because one of the reasons, and that's what I do also, is because yes, that's a really competitive topic. It might take me a year to get to page one because it's such a competitive topic, but I also want to be a resource for my readers so that when they come to my site, if they are looking for, you know, like a vanilla cake or a vanilla cupcake recipe, which I'm getting ready to post. Yeah, that's super competitive. You know, I have a low, what's the word, competitive score, I think that. Sure, competition score. Competition yeah. score. I have yeah. a low competition score, but I want to also be a resource for my readers. So yeah. it might take me a while to write for that recipe. but that's okay. Cause I eventually will rank for it in some way. I will eventually get traffic from it. And in the meantime, it's a resource for my readers. Again, you're looking out for the user and your audience and trying to provide them value. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's great advice. I love all of that. So if you could go back, what other things would you tell past Cheryl <laughs> that you wish you knew? <laughs> the other thing I would say, even if you're planning to do this as a hobby, I would say treat your blog as a business from day one. And that's because you are making a monetary investment in it from the get-go. You know, you're, you know, you have your WordPress, but then you've also bought your theme. You're also paying for plugins and just all these various things that you're you're, you know, there's, you know, food blog has a relatively low cost of entry compared to a lot of other businesses you know, or say like a brick and mortar store where you're having to actually produce a physical product, but you're still spending money. So treat as a business from day one, because there are tax advantages to that, you know, register it as a business, get that employer identification number and track your expenses. And then you can write those off on your taxes. I absolutely love that you said that. This is something that is not said often in our space, but there is such a low cost of entry and almost take advantage of that and use the money that maybe you would have spent in another venture and invest that wisely, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So how do you feel about investments like investing and in learning and 
growing when necessary. That would be the other thing. Don't don't be afraid to invest in yourself. Don't sell yourself short because there, there are a lot of courses out there. So yes, you do want to be careful about what you invest in because you want to get the best value for your money. But do make plans to invest in yourself. Because again, when I got started in this, I was like, man, that's a lot of money. I don't know. Is it really necessary? Again, I, you know, just kind of that whole going back yeah. and forth. The, the first thing I invested in was photography course with photography school. And that was extremely helpful for me in understanding, you know, investing all the steps you kind of need to go through to understand what your style is, you know, developing a kind of a template for what you like to do. But yeah, don't be afraid to invest in yourself. Yeah, ask questions. If you have a question about the course, write an email to the person who's offering the course and, you know, ask a bunch of questions, you know, is it this? Is it that? You know, will I learn this? I will say, and and this again comes from my engineering background when pre-COVID, when I used to go to conferences and it would look like a great conference and I would contact the person who was speaking and ask them, hey, are you going to be covering this, this and that? And I will say this, if you're asking questions and you're not getting the answer, then you may not want to invest in that course Mm. because I, you know, this is a huge investment. And if the person who's putting out the course is not taking the time to answer, you know, your basic questions about the content and what it could do for them, you know, maybe be a little bit cautious about that investment, especially if you're concerned about money, but definitely make the investments. Oh, that is such a great little tip too. I've never thought of that, but I do that, I think not necessarily with conferences, but if I'm going to invest in like a membership or a mastermind or something like that, and I reach out and the people are responsive and answering my questions and mm-hmm. and more, then I know that they care. But if you're not hearing back or if they're not answering your questions, then that is a sure sign that it's probably not the best investment. So I love that. Oh, no, I agree. And it's probably a sign, too, that maybe they're not still paying attention to this, that course, you know, because, you know, a lot oh, of right. cause a lot of courses, you know, the things are pre-recorded and they put them out there, which is fine. This, I have no issue with that. I think it's a great idea. But at the same time, if they're not responding, it, it could be also that it's still out there. They're still selling it, but maybe they're not investing the time and resources in it that they once did. Right. No, that is a super awesome tip. So investing in yourself, super important from the get-go. And I kind of glossed over this because I got excited about (laughs) what you said about just low cost of entry. Let's take a quick break to talk about the Eat Blog Talk Mastermind program, Food Bloggers. If you are looking for a supportive group of peers to hold you accountable in 2023 so you can level up, this program is for you. By joining the Eat Blog Talk Mastermind program, you will accomplish more in 12 months than you would in over five years when relying on your own efforts. You will find clarity on projects and you'll expand your network of peers, which will open up tons of opportunity for you and your business. Also, you will get firsthand access to relevant trends and information that will stop your wheels from spinning once and for all. Secure your spot now in order to lock in at the current pricing. You will also get your 90-minute planning session now with me so you have a solid plan for your business heading into Q4. And you'll be able to attend all monthly guest expert sessions for the remainder of 2022. To get in on all this value, go to eatblogtalk.com forward slash mastermind. Again, eatblogtalk.com forward slash mastermind. And the rest of us cannot wait to have you in the group. Now back to the episode. 
you mentioned also like registering your business, getting your EIN. It's really not that hard. Just do a Google search. It's Mm -hmm. super easy. Like bank accounts, like all of that budgeting, tracking your expenses, I think is really important to your income and expenses from the beginning. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I didn't do a great job at that initially because again, trying to, you know, understand, unfortunately I did keep my receipts. So I did go back over those. That is a slog if, you know, you try to do it all, you know, you're worth the receipts all at once. But yeah, for some reason I kept my receipts and I keep all my grocery receipts. And so I'm trying to get better at recording those on a more timely basis. So I don't end up with this pile of work all at one time. But yeah, keeping all your receipts, how and setting up a system for keeping your receipts. So whether you're keeping paper receipts, if you're doing everything electronically, just making sure that you have a place for those, you know where to easily find them, and you can easily retrieve them. Here's a little secret weapon of mine that is recording everything, like literally every penny that comes in to my business and goes out. And I think that you can earn money more quickly that way because if you know exactly what's coming in and out, mm-hmm. I just feel like it's easier to earn. If you don't know, if you don't have any idea, then I don't know. I I wouldn't, I would have no motivation to earn money. Do you know what I mean? Like oh, yeah, just no, having yeah. that knowledge, I think is power. No, it, it is. Especially when brands reach out to you and they want you to do, they want you to do work in exchange for product. And mm-hmm. if you've been tracking your expenses, you know, like, well, Hey, if I'm going to do that cake for you or whatever, cookie or whatever, that is going to, I already know that I'm going to have to spend this much in products. It's going to take me this long to do it. No, that's not going to work for me in terms of, you know, you know, return on investment, or even if they're just wanting you to promote their product, like what is your time worth per hour? And definitely Mm -hmm. don't undervalue yourself with regard to that, you know, sets, you know, if you want to say, Hey, my time is worth $60 an hour and it's going to take me two hours to create that Instagram story, Instagram post for promoting your product another half hour to write copy, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Just even start there at the basic of, at the minimum, that's just my cost. That doesn't include profit. Oh, right. It's so easy to work for free in the beginning. Mm-hmm. I think most of us have done that. And I yep. think it's a good it's a good learning tool. It is. Yeah. But do you have any th- other advice on that? Because this is kind of a tough one. It is. I, I do understand the attraction of working for for free, especially and you're like, oh, you want to give me free stuff? Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like free stuff. <laughs> I would say if you're going to do it, limit it to products that you're really enthusiastic about and that where you could potentially see a long-term relationship that would lead to paid opportunities. Yeah. So I would maybe start there. You know, one company reached out to me. I'm not going to name any names. And they said, oh, this person is starting this company for this food product. And the name of the person was someone who was well-known, had a lot of money. So I'm thinking, oh, okay, this is like a paid opportunity, right? You know, this is not two friends out of college just starting a business, don't have a whole lot of money. There's like some money behind this. And I said, well, I can do this for this price. And they responded back with, well, we don't have a budget for that. I'm like, wait a minute. (laughs) Wait a minute. Like, okay, the person who's investing in this has a lot of money. So I don't understand how you don't have a budget for what you're asking me to do. It just, it didn't make sense to me. 
Oh so goodness. I was like, yeah, unfortunately I can't do that. Sounds like a great product. I would love to try it, but I can't guarantee that I'm going to do an Instagram post about it or anything like that. So yeah. And setting boundaries, I think is really key here too. Like if you just establish that boundary for yourself and stick to it, it goes so far. It does. And the thing is, if you're investing in the things like your recipes, the SEO, you got this traffic, you're investing in your photography because the brands who understand the value of your work, they will they will notice the beautiful photography and they will eventually reach out to you with paid work. It, you do have to be persistent. It will take time. And then also the other thing, if you're investing in SEO and building your traffic, you can say, hey, this is how much traffic I get on my blog. And so when I do this blog post where you highlighting your product, this is the type of traffic you know, Mm. that you could potentially see for this product. And it's evergreen. Like it's always going to be on my blog post. I mean, my blog. That's a great point. Okay. I had a question about if you could go back, would you change anything about the way you set up your actual blog? So like, I don't know if you started on WordPress or plugins or recipe cards. Is there anything you would change there? So I, I did start with WordPress and I started with what eventually became the Feast plugin, Brunch Pro which a friend recommended to me and I'm so glad I did that. So that would, so I wouldn't change that. So in terms of that initial investment, you know, and this is where I would say free will cost you money. You know, when I was initially looking at buying the Brunch Pro and the Genesis framework, I was like, Ooh, that's a lot of money. And I actually tried taking a free template and, you know, reworking it. And I was like, this is taking way too much time. This is way too much. Like I was watching all these YouTube videos and I was like, no, I will go back and buy that. And so that's, you know, and that's why I say like free will cost you money because yes, it's a free template, but you're going to spend hours like working, reworking that template, you know, to make it look like kind of like a food blog and where people can kind of scroll down and either see your categories or these beautiful pictures of this food that you were taking. And so money, not only, so when I say that free will cost you money, not only just in terms of just, you know, lost opportunities, but just also in your own time Mm -hmm. of getting stuff done. And potentially too, like if you don't do the template right, it will cost you money in terms of traffic because, you know, it may not be configured right. And so when Google, you know, goes to say, Hey, who's, who's offering the best banana bread, you can have the most great, you know, you could do the best banana bread in the world. Maybe your SEO's on, but because of the way you configured your site, it's not pop, it's not rolling out. And I have a story about that <laughs> too. Oh my gosh. It's, it's and if up. you need if you need someone to fix it, that costs you money too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what's your story about the fix? So when I was looking, so as I got into SEO, you know, I was looking at Yoast and it used to be a little bit more expensive, but I thought, oh that that's like a lot of money. You know, so no. Oh, look, there's this free version. It was called Rank Math. And I thought, oh, this seems to do everything that Yoast does. So I use that because it's free. So I'm using Rank Math, everything, the way I know how to use it, right? And everything seems to be okay. And I signed up for this mastermind course in, I believe, May of 2020. And the nice thing I liked about this is a husband and wife team and he handled the technical stuff and she handled the more front end stuff. Like, how do you connect with your audience? You know, how do you determine, you know, content to produce? How do you, you know, put yourself forth to help grow your traffic? So part of the mastermind is he did a technical review of everybody's site who was in the, the mastermind. And he came back to me, he said, yeah, I think there's the issue with this rank math. 
And so he went through it. And so basically, apparently what having that free plugin was doing was it was preventing Google from seeing my content. Oh, no. Yes. So we fixed it together. I got Yoast, got Yoast set, got Yoast kind of set up. And I kid you not, the day after he took the rank math off, I have a my one of my original recipes is for a cranberry pistachio shortbread cookie. It, he took it off on Tuesday. On Wednesday, that cookie was appearing at spot number two in <gasps> searches. What? And my traffic doubled from May to June. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Yes. So when I say free will cost you money, you know, when we talk about, their, you know, their free versions of plugins can, you know, they can be attractive because they're free. But in the long run, they may just actually cost you money just in terms of time and traffic, you know, trying to make them, you know, trying to make them work or if it's just not a very good product. Now, today, I don't know how rank math is. It could be much better. So if you want to try it, go ahead. But I'm just, you know, that was my experience in terms of, hey, I thought I was doing a really great thing because this is free and I'm doing the SEO stuff. And yeah, it was actually costing me traffic. Wow, that's a powerful story and supports your point so well. You have so many great points here, Cheryl. These are great. I avoided WordPress altogether Kind of, I mean, partially because of the money, because I would hear like, oh, I have to purchase this plugin and I have to purchase this. And I was like, well, on Squarespace, you don't need to do that. You can just pay one flat rate a year. And I like wore that like a badge for, oh my gosh, like nine and a half years. It was ridiculous. And it cost me a lot. If I would have gone over to WordPress right away, mm-hmm. I believe that I would be one of those bloggers who gets like 5 million page views a month right now. And I'm not yet, but yeah, it that definitely cost me not only money, but so much traffic and traction, like an insane amount of progress. And I do like acknowledge that's my story and I don't ever wish to change it because I don't think I would have this podcast. Like there's so many things that are good that came from my story, but it definitely cost me. <laughs> yeah, no. And, and if you're and if you're listening to this and you're thinking, okay, well, what plugins do I do I need then? There's a really great series of SEO webinars hosted by Casey Markey and Arsen Rabinovich from Top Hat Rank, and you can go through these series of webinars and they they have the titles and you can find the ones where they talk about plugins and different things like that to have because they there have been a couple webinars where that question gets asked, like, what are the plugins that I need kind of like at a minimum to run my site? Yeah, that's a really great resource. They do those free webinars that are super valuable. Yeah, very valuable. Yeah. Okay. What else would you go back and tell a previous version of you if you could? The other version would be, the other thing I would tell myself (laughs) is the reason why I tell my previous version is you don't have to do everything at once. So, you know, when I got into this, you know, like I said in the beginning is like, you know, I started my blog and it was kind of like, what now? Like, oh, I got Instagram, I got Facebook, I use Pinterest. But in reality, you you don't have to do everything once. And and I'm kind of at that place where I realized that, you know, understanding what I need to focus on and focusing on that. And then as I have time to focus on some of the other things, you know, do that kind of like. If you looks like 80% of my time is focused on SEO and making sure I'm doing that right and getting that nailed down. And then the other 20% are on these other things. Now, maybe it might switch for one month where I'm 
primarily focused on social media and building that out and, you know, building relationships through those avenues. But, you know, for right now, I'm focused on the SEO and either reposting old content, revising old content or creating new content. And I'm at a place where I feel comfortable like that. Like, okay, because sometimes you can feel like, oh, I got to do everything. And then I feel bad about not doing everything. And this is my story. Like, I had qualified for Mediavine last year, right? Woohoo! You know, great achievement. (laughs) And then a friend asked me how I was doing. And, you know, they're in the blogging world. And I said, oh, I just, I'm so behind. Like, I'm not doing what I need to do in Pinterest and Facebook. And they're like, Cheryl, you just qualified for Mediavine. You should be (laughs) celebrating. That's a huge accomplishment. I said, yeah, you're right. Like, but I was just so focused on what I wasn't doing as opposed to what I had already accomplished. And so I eventually just got to the mindset and I wish somebody had told me this too, like understand what those things are and how you can use them to, you know, build traffic to your site, but also have that plan where, okay, this is what I need to focus on for this time period. And then when I've got that nailed down, then I'll like focus on this thing. But yeah, you don't have to do everything at once. So, you know, if you are not on TikTok, if you're not on Pinterest because you're focused on this other thing, that's okay. Hmm. I think we we need that permission. So thank you for saying that because we do have the like food blogger guilt. We feel like we need to be everywhere. And then especially if you consume podcasts like this one where you hear all of the aspects of food blogging, yep. it's not a message that you need to do it all. It's just like, you know, delivering it to you when you're ready or if you're ready for it but you don't have to do it all. You can listen to an episode about TikTok, take it in, put it in the back of your brain and do it when you're ready, but you don't have to go and do it. So Cheryl and I are giving you permission to not do it all. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Understand what your, I think the best thing you can do for yourself is spend some time understanding what your goals and intent are. And when I say spend some time, like if you like need to spend like two, three weeks, just like jotting down ideas and kind of coming up with that plan, understanding what those are, and then picking the platform or platforms that are going to best serve those goals and that intent. Oh my gosh, this is packed with amazing advice, Cheryl. This is so good. (laughs) That's one of the things I learned from project planning as an engineer, that that time that you spend on the actual planning part, it often gets shortchanged because we want to get right into the project. But if you spend a good chunk of time, and that just depends on the project, but if you just spend a good chunk of time on the planning part, it will save you so much time once once you're into the project, executing the project. I love that you're taking tidbits that you learn from other areas of your life and applying it to food blogging. I think that's super valuable. Is there anything else you would go back and tell yourself if you could? I would say definitely know your niche. Now, I was pretty fortunate in that, you know, baking's always been a passion of mine and I love baking. So I knew from the beginning that baking was what I wanted to do. But one of the things, you know, I got caught up in, especially in that first year is looking at other food bloggers who had, you know, a little bit wider, you know, they're doing desserts and savory. I thought, oh, maybe I should be doing savory. Like, how can I do savory? I should be doing savory. But really just honing down on your niche. Like what is the thing that you're most passionate about? And just focusing on that in the beginning. And you can grow beyond that. Um, I think I, I listened to one of your previous podcasts where they had started a second blog, mm. you know, kind of expanding beyond that. But I would say in the beginning, just 
just kind of even to start small, like just really hone down on what it is you're passionate about, what you want to share, what you think are going to be valuable to your readers, kind of like cut out the noise of, yeah, but that person is doing all these other things and they've got these three topics they're covering. Yeah, focus on that one topic. And then for lack of a better word, phrase, once you get good at that, then start to add other things. Yeah. Back to the basics. I say that Mm -hmm. a lot too. When we get to that place where we see what everyone else is doing, Mm -hmm. we tend to overcomplicate our own situation. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I just have to like, just say that to myself, back to the basics, like simplify and do what is absolutely necessary until you feel comfortable again. But it's so easy to see what other people are doing and be like, oh, I should be doing that. Yes. Oh, wait, I should be doing that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that you're not going to eventually do it or you shouldn't adopt new right. things or learn new things. It's again, it goes back to that. You don't have to do everything at once. Yeah. Amazing. Okay. What else? Anything else, Cheryl? I would say also, I think this is just overall, this is just for the length of your journey. Just be kind to yourself. Be careful of the words that you're constantly saying to yourself because no one talks to you more than you talk to yourself. So just pay attention to the words that are constantly in your head and be encouraging to yourself and not discouraging to yourself. Okay, that was super powerful. And seriously, there's so much power in the words that you use, Mm -hmm. whether it's saying them out loud or just thinking them in your head. Mm -hmm. So I think that has more power than anything we've probably talked about today. Just like be very cautious about what you're saying to you. No, yeah, no. the, The Bible says the power of life and death is in the tongue. So that, that, yeah, make sure you're speaking words of life to yourself and about yourself. Oh my gosh, that's a powerful way to end. Thank you, Cheryl. It has been such a pleasure talking to you. I have absolutely loved our conversation. So thank you so much for taking the time for us today. Oh, I've enjoyed talking to you too. I love your podcast. So this is such a treat to get to talk to you and have this conversation. Oh, I've loved it so much. (laughs) So glad to make the connection. Do you have an additional either quote or words of inspiration to leave us with today? Yeah, this is a quote I got from, I went through a training session and it was about personal growth. So it's um, the term personal growth is, so this is the quote from Emily McDowell. Uh, The term personal growth is misleading because it sounds like it's going to be fun. But if we, but if we called it deliberately making yourself so uncomfortable, it feel like you're dying. Nobody would do it. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I love that. Who said that? Can you tell me again? It was Emily McDowell, M-C-D-O-W-E-L-L. Okay, that is the best quote ever. That's so true. Oh my goodness, I'm going to look that up and print it out. Okay, thank you so much for that. We'll put together show notes for you, Cheryl. So if anyone wants to go look at those, you can go to eblogtalk.com forward slash bakes by brown sugar. I was perusing your blog while we were chatting. It's beautiful. Your photography is beautiful. Thank you. So tell everyone where to go to find you there and on social media. So the blog is bakes by brown sugar and on social media, I was fortunate. No one had claimed this name. So at Instagram, Pinterest, and Facebook, I am at bakes by brown sugar. Awesome. Go check Cheryl out everybody. And thanks again, Cheryl, for being here. And thank you for listening today, food bloggers. I will see you in the next episode. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Eat Blog Talk. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd be so grateful if you posted it to your social media feed and stories. I will see you next time.